This is Brian Oaks, and I'm a sales agronomist for CHS Ag Services in Erskine, Minnesota. We are pleased to bring you this update from the Red River Farm Network, CHS Ag Services, providing solutions for your success. Thursday Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. I'm Randy Conan in studio. We've got Don Wick, Whitney Pittman, and Sierra Doctor all on the road here this afternoon. We'll hear reports from each one of them. U.S. Canola Association is applauding EPA's determination that canola oil will uh, be uh, part of the renewable diesel and qualifies as an advanced biofuel under the Renewable Fuel Standard Program. Northern Canola Growers Association Executive Director Barry Coleman pleased EPA acted on canola's petition to be included as a renewable diesel feedstock. The, the, the rulemaking, we've got uh, renewable diesel, jet fuel, naphtha, LPS, and heating oil produced from canola oil all are approved now. And so they, they've shown that the canola oil with those will reduce GHG emissions by at least 50%. In fact, EPA conservatively estimated the emissions from canola oil-based renewable diesel are 67% less than the diesel baseline. So um, very good news from the life cycle analysis that, that EPA looked at with the, the final rules. So we're very pleased with it. And we expect to see uh, much more canola oil being used for uh, the biofuels market. What currently isn't known is at what volume the canola oil will be used. They were supposed to have announced the advanced biofuels volumes for the next several years uh, yesterday, and we haven't seen anything yet, but uh, I know we're certainly supporting an increase in the biomass-based diesel volumes in the annual requirements, and we also want to oppose any unwarranted waivers of existing volume requirements. We also want to support a multi-year extension of the biodiesel and renewable tax credit. The Clean Fuels Alliance America is criticizing EPA for its proposed renewable fuel standard volumes for 2023 and beyond. Vice President of Federal Affairs Kurt Kovarik says EPA flatlined biomass biodiesel usage. This time around, uh, EPA has the authority to set volumes across all categories and for multiple years. So we're pleased that uh, what they proposed here is a three-year proposal rather than uh, the typical one-year proposal. Uh, so it covers 2023 through 2025. Uh, but that's really where the good news ends. Uh, as you mentioned, uh, for the biomass-based diesel category, so that would include uh, biodiesel, renewable diesel, and sustainable aviation fuel, uh, EPA proposed to essentially flatline uh, those categories of, of volumes uh, for the next three years. And Kovarik says EPA's volumes are less than what is currently being blended. The current market as it exists today is higher than the volumes that EPA sets for each of these three years. So not only does this uh, proposal not drive any, any market growth, it doesn't even acknowledge uh, the reality of what's going on in the industry today as it, as it exists today. Kavarik is hopeful farmers will make their voice heard on Capitol Hill, so this proposal will be considered dead on arrival. Farmers and cooperative leaders from throughout the country are in Minneapolis this week for the CHS annual meeting. Red River Farm Network farm broadcaster Don Wick has more. Transportation issues including rail, river, and over the road are ongoing problems for agriculture. CHS Senior Vice President Gary Helberson says this is a burden that we'll be dealing with for a long time. When it comes to the rail situation, that's one that we just have, uh, of course, in our, in our position trading grain and buying fertilizer, uh, and moving it all around the world, uh, it's it's really a concern because the end of that story, should we end up with a rail strike, is is you know the elevator in a small town fills up, 
and then the farmer can't move grain, and the basis falls apart, and nobody wins. While the CHS annual meeting is underway, company leadership and the co-op's government affairs team are talking with senators today to try to avert a rail shutdown. The current protests and turmoil in China calls into question the availability of active ingredients needed in agriculture. Helverson says the supply situation is getting a little better overall. With the exception of glyphosate and glufosinate, those are going to be watchouts for the, the spring of 23. But largely, uh, we're going to go into 23 with, with a completely different look on crop protection because of the actions the industry's taken. Roundup at Liberty, I thought that had, had uh, straightened out to some degree. The prices have changed, but we still see that there's opportunity for price for, for, for supply problems. Um, and, you know, it depends on what the farmer wants. Uh, Bear's done a really nice job of running their manufacturing full out, supplying their branded Roundup. Uh, but, you know, the import material, we've we've traded more, I think, 53 different brands this year have, have gone through our hands to try and, and fill orders. And that's just an example of the flexibility that we've built into the supply chain um, over the course of, you know, the last decade, really. Reporting from the CHS annual meeting in Minneapolis, I'm Don Wick on the Red River Farm Network. Commodity and agriculture groups are applauding the House for acting to avert a railroad strike. Soy Transportation Coalition Executive Director Mike Steenhook is hopeful for quick passage now by the Senate. So again, that we can take this big question mark of uncertainty off of agriculture, off of the broader economy, and that would be any kind of rail shutdown. The timing is still uncertain, but it's, it, it's likely it'll be uh, yet, yet this week. And Steenhook expects the Senate to take up that bill sometime either today or tomorrow morning. Yeah, you know, the Senate is still you know, considering uh, the House you know, passed us another piece of legislation that provided an additional seven sick days, uh, to, which was in a standalone fashion. So there were actually two bills that were passed out of the House. The Senate is considering whether they they lump the two together, uh, how they will how they will respond to what the House actually passed. National Cattlemen's Beef Association Executive Director of Governmental Affairs, Kent Backus, happy that a rail strike has been averted. U.S. House of Representatives voted on two resolutions to avert the rail strike. Uh, the first vote was on House Joint Resolution 100, which was a resolution to implement the tentative agreement that was brokered in September. This uh, resolution that they voted on uh, was the one that the uh, President Biden and congressional leaders uh, emerged yesterday in support of and said that they were going to, to carry across the line. Uh, this is something that NCBA has strongly supported. Uh, we, we lobbied on behalf of this resolution uh, in order to avert a rail strike. This could be something that would be very devastating to us. Corteva is expanding its presence in the biological market. Corteva has signed a definitive agreement to acquire Stoller. The deal should be finalized in 2023, valued at $12 billion. It's Corteva's second major acquisition in the biological platform this year with a recent uh, agreement to acquire Simborg. You're listening to the Red River Farm Network. Thursday Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. Minnesota's canola growers and industry experts gathering today for the 2022 Canola Symposium. Red River Farm Network farm broadcaster Whitney Pittman reports from Roseau. The 2022 Canola Symposium, organized by the Minnesota Canola Council and University of Minnesota Extension, is going on today in Roseau, Minnesota. Canola grower and Canola Council board member Steve Rodkey gave a quick update on the canola crop's surprising end to a challenging start to the year near Holly. Listen 
learn just like anything else in farming you learn new techniques new things that are coming to the canola industry. Rod Key's advice to growers now that field work is done and meeting season has begun is to learn as much as you can in order to make smart decisions for next year's growing season. Same as everybody else. Started late, short season, ran long hours, but everything yielded well. Reporting from the 2022 Canola Symposium in Roseau, Minnesota, for the Red River Farm Network, I'm Whitney Pittman. Bungie Grain Marketing Specialist Taryn Olfert says those growing canola end up uh, being uh, likely end consumer of the products they grow, especially with Nexera products. All of our Nexera canola contracts are eligible for free on-farm pickup or a freight allowance if growers haul themselves. Um, that comes to, to Altona, the Bungie plant there. We crush it, uh, we refine the oil, and then we actually ship it. And all of that oil stays within North America. So it actually goes to the restaurants that we all know and love. Um, and we're, we also end up being the end consumers of that oil. And Olford explains the traits that consumers are looking for in that end product. Nexera canola oil is a high oleic uh, oil, so that's the profile that it has. Um, and that means that it's a higher stability oil, um, it has better shelf life, it has a better flavor profile than other veg oils on the market. So our end consumer really wants that. Um, and so the, the seed itself has a, a different oil profile as well, and that's what we're after. Red River Farm Network Farm Broadcaster Sierra Doctor also on the road today. She's in Fargo. Well, thanks, Randy. We're here at the joint annual meeting of the American Crystal Sugar Company and the Red River Valley Sugar Bee Growers Association with Red River Valley Sugar Bee Growers Association Executive Director Harrison Weber. Just to start, I guess, what's happening at the, the meeting here today? Well, it's it's a, the place to be uh, right now. We got the, the American Crystal and Red River Valley Sugar Beet Growers joint annual meeting here going on at the Holiday Inn in Fargo. And, and it's a great time for all the growers for American Crystal to, to come together, get an update on our on our cooperative, and uh, hear about some of the issues that, uh, that are shaking out in politics in D.C. It is a farm bill year, so I know everyone's gearing up for that, going into it. How are you working to defend sugar and the farm bill? You bet, yeah. So, you know, over the last year and a half, we've spent a lot of time as farmers uh, coming up with ideas and strategies and, and looking at our needs for our association and our cooperative and, and really trying to decide which direction we need to go. So we've we've created a list and and we're kind of going through that bullet by bullet point by bullet point, and uh, then we're working with our other industry partners, American Sugar Beet Growers Association, the United Beet Sugar Association, um, and then and then also working with our cane friends. And at the end of the day, we're going to move ahead uh, with whatever direction we move. We're going to move ahead uh, as a united front with uh, with all of sugar in the United States. Looking back on the year, it was a, kind of an interesting year for sugar beet harvest. Can you give me a little bit of a recap of that? Boy, we started out in the springtime uh, in just a very dismal state. It was rainy. It was wet. Guys were frustrated. We were delayed. Uh, we actually ended up planting an additional fifty thousand acres, which is you know kind of not very normal for us and uh, then as the year progressed um, boy things really started to turn around and and by the end of the year boy what a nice crop we had we had a great uh, great harvest I think we only had maybe one or two shutdowns for for heat or for cold um, and we rock and rolled through we had a great sugar percentage lower on the average tonnage but total volume wise uh, really was a record crop for us and so you know you can you can feel the buzz with all the growers there everybody's excited to to put a good one in the pile. 
Thanks, Harrison. That was Red River Valley Sugar Bee Growers Association Executive Director Harrison Weber. Reporting agriculture's business, I'm Sierra Doctor on the Red River Farm Network. For more information from the Red River Farm Network, you can go to visit Facebook, Twitter. You can also find us online at rrfn.com. You're listening to the Red River Farm Network. Welcome to Inside Agriculture on the Red River Farm Network. The Fuel Retailer Choice Act introduced into the Senate yesterday would ensure permanent year-round nationwide access to E15. Eden Valley, Minnesota and current National Corn Growers Association President Tom Haig says NCGA is working on speaking with senators to gain support for that bill. Well, I mean, the work still has to be done. We, we, now we get the bill introduced, and then it's, it's up to now as uh, our people out in D.C., our staffers and all that, to make sure that they have conversation with other senators to show them the benefits of what this can do to help the consumer, a cheaper rate of a cheaper gas, at a better quality gas. So there, there, is, there is some work to be done, but in order to get this work started, you got to get uh, some senators to, uh, like I say, introduce the bill, and that's the most important thing is we got it introduced and we can now work at it to uh, talk with our other senators in uh, D.C. Well, Mexico appears to have backpedaled a little bit on its ban of GM corn from the U.S. NDSU Extension Crops economist Frayne Olson says uh, a GMO corn, though, for human consumption is still prohibited. There was a recent meeting with um, U.S. Secretary of Agriculture Vilsack. He traveled to Mexico. He met with the Mexican officials as well as the Mexican president. Um, it sounds as though the agreement that was put in place was that Mexico would still allow the importation of GM corn from the, from the U.S., primarily yellow corn, not the white corn used for food products. But it, as long as it was used specifically for livestock feed, there is a little bit of yellow corn that comes in that's imported that is used for human food in Mexico. They're going really looking at internally within Mexico, how do we separate and make sure that yellow corn for feed use doesn't accidentally get into the human food chain. Checking numbers, March wheat Minneapolis down six cents. Chicago March wheat is down twelve cents. Kansas City March wheat down seven and three quarter cents. March corn's down six and a half. July corn down five and a half. January soybeans forty-one and three quarter cents lower. March soybeans forty-one cents lower. January bean oil down four hundred and fifty points. Canola is down nineteen dollars and ten cents a metric ton. Thanks for joining us. Have a great afternoon. This is the Red River Farm Network.